So today we'll continue uh, with this final guided Brahma Vihara meditation period, uh, working again with uh, the fourth of these, Upeka equanimity. And I know uh, Rebecca did quite a bit of introduction on Monday, but I'm going to say a few words now to begin that uh, may be useful, some useful reflections, I hope. And I'd like to start with this verse that I recently came across. It's from one of the very early poems in the Terigata, which uh, I read a, a few of those in a talk earlier in the retreat about the early nuns. And I, I, love, I just love this, uh, something about this verse I find very uh, apropos to uh, this uh, quality of equanimity and just beautiful also. So I think this is just one verse from a longer poem, probably. If your mind becomes firm like a rock and no longer shakes, in a world where everything is shaking, your mind will be your greatest friend and suffering will not come your way. There's a couple things I like about this verse. We, we can think of, of the mind the firm mind that no longer shakes as a description of of this quality, a mind imbued with this quality of equanimity. It's not, mind is not being moved, shaken by worldly conditions, by the ups and downs and all the changes that inevitably come in our life. And this quality of equanimity then, it's, um, it points to a quality of openness to experience. So although the world is shaking, with the changes that come inevitably. The mind has this balanced, open quality that um, avoids extremes of, of reactivity, of falling into struggle, aversion, resistance, falling into grasping, clinging, and so forth. And I also love this uh, verse because it speaks about this idea that uh, the mind becomes our greatest friend. Your mind will become your greatest friend. And this, I think, is such a beautiful possibility of the practice and something that uh, often we don't, we don't hold the mind as our greatest friend, our ally. You know, do we hold this? Do we see the mind this way? Do we hold the, this possibility that our mind and heart might be our friend, that we might befriend the mind? You know, so often we... Uh, relate to our mind as our adversary, not as our ally. It's our, we're struggling with it. And I feel like if we get nothing more out of this time on retreat, of these six or 12 weeks that, that we've been here, if we get nothing more than some sense of this possibility that we might, our mind might be our friend, that we might befriend our own mind and heart, then our time here would be extremely well spent if we get nothing more than some relationship to this possibility. So this quality of equanimity is, is very powerful in and of itself, in its own right, you could say, but it also has the effect of strengthening other, supporting and strengthening other qualities. It supports uh, wisdom, understanding, in, in that a mind that doesn't shake 
is able to stay, that's not moved by conditions, not moved so much by what's arising in experience, it can stay with experience long enough, with enough steadiness and non-reactivity that insight actually has a chance to arise. It can be with things in this way. It also supports all of the other Brahma-viharas. It empowers uh, friendliness of, of metta, imbues it with patience and the ability to um, care even in situations where, where uh, it's not easy to be able to offer the, this wish of uh, this offering of love, of friendliness, even when uh, people that we care for may do things, self-destructive things, for example. It doesn't, we don't throw anyone out of our heart it's balanced by this. It doesn't fall into the extremes of, of attachment on one hand or some kind of uh, pushing away where we throw ourselves or another out of our own heart. It fosters the courageous aspect of compassion. It supports compassion, keeps it from falling into uh, despair and, and overwhelm and, and uh, just getting crushed by suffering or falling into pity or a kind of um, pushing away, turning away from suffering, allow us to face this, um, the dukkha that we experience in our own mind, in the world, in our own hearts, and um, to act when we can. And when we can't do anything to actually alleviate suffering, we don't falter and turn away, we can actually still show up. So it, it enables this, this is the real courageous aspect of compassion. And it balances the joy, the mudita, so that it doesn't fall into such an overly exuberant state that it's just all about me and how happy I am about your happiness. That excessive um, self-referential, discon- it's disconnected, it's self-referential when it's too strong. Oh, I'm so happy that you're happy. You know, so <laughs> that's one extreme. Or, uh, or you know, the, the far enemy then of, of some kind of jealousy or envy. Or we, you know, as though oh, there's only so much joy and if you're happy, I don't get any. So it balances all of these other ones. A Brahma Viharas. I was. I found this article by uh, Gil Fransdahl, who's the founder of the Insight Meditation Center in uh, in uh, Redwood City in California, near San Francisco. And and there were some really good things. So I've drawn on that article for some of these reflections I'll offer now. He said um, that the the word that we use, equanimity, in English. Uh, there's a couple of Pali words that uh, are useful in considering this word. Um, and speaks these two Pali words speak to a couple of different sides or aspects of equanimity. So we, we translate upeka, which is the word we use for this Brahma-vihara, upeka. It gets translated as equanimity. And this uh, points to... Um, in the way Gil spoke about it, it points to um, the balance of mind that arises from the power of observation, uh, which is the ability to see what's going on, 
to take a big picture of what's happening, what's arising, to see that um, without being uh, caught. So it's, it's a kind of cool, not indifferent, but a cool, balanced way of observing our experience. This kind of uh, ease that comes when we see a bigger picture, a larger uh, framing of the ups and downs of life. We see, yes, life has changes. It's built into things. This, um, this larger frame. And sometimes this word, uh, apparently, upeka was used, uh, meant to see with patience or to see with understanding. So a kind of seeing that's infused or imbued with uh, understanding and patience. And uh, I think someone spoke about, uh, I can't remember exactly why, the grandmother's mind in reference to maybe to equanimity. But he equated it with this grandmotherly love of, you know, a grandmother, maybe because of having raised her own children, has a more um, ability to get, more ability to not get caught up in the dramas of the grandchildren's lives. Can hold them with love and care and also see they have their own life to live and is not so caught in the dramas. So this seeing with patience, this big picture observing of, of life, of what arises with one aspect of upeka. And then there's the second word, which is one of these great Pali words, tatra majatata. I just love Pali. <laughs> tatra majatata, which is made up, they just, when you want a long word, you make it of shorter words and string them together. So this is uh, from three shorter words, tatra, which means there or sometimes um, sometimes uh, means all these things, these things. Maja is uh, the same word for like majima, uh, middle length, middle, maja meaning middle, and tata meaning to stand or to pose. <clears throat> so putting them together means to, to stand in the middle of all things or in the middle of all this, or to stand there in the middle. And this is this quality of being in the middle, of this middle balanced quality of, uh, of equanimity, remaining centered, not pulled to extremes. Uh, and it it's, comes from a kind of stability, an inner stability, an inner strength. So it's um, a kind of inner calm, we could say, that's related to well-being and confidence and um, a kind of integrity. Like um, He likens it to the ballast, the weight that's in the keel of a ship that counterbalances. So when the wind blows, the keel keeps the ship from, it may lean, it may heel over in the wind, but it doesn't uh, fall over. It's, it's held in a place of some balance by the weight in the keel. So this, this points to this kind of inner strength as that, as our inner strength, inner confidence grows, equanimity grows along with that, the ability to stay balanced. And as, uh, as we've said so often, um, it's this ability, this quality of equanimity that lets us um, whether what are called the eight worldly winds of praise and blame and fame and disrepute and pleasure and pain and success and failure. So we don't fall into extremes of, of reactivity, of clinging to it when it's good and 
struggling when it's not so good. There's this story, maybe some of you have heard uh, from the time of the Buddha, um, addressing particularly praise and blame in this case, but these eight worldly winds. Apparently a visitor came to um, <clears throat> one of the viharas where the monks and the, bhikkhu, uh, the Buddha and some of the bhikkhus were living. And he went up to one of the uh, first first monk he came to was sitting quietly and he asked him a question and he just kept sitting quietly, didn't say anything. He went to another monk and this monk gave him a lengthy discourse on by way of answering. And then he went to uh, Ananda, was the, f- the third monk, and had, apparently he'd heard about this guy. Maybe he came on sub- subsequent days, so he'd heard this guy was coming in. And so Ananda said, oh, okay, I'll give him a middle-length, <laughs> a middle-length discourse. So he gave him a not too long. And in each case, he got mad. He stormed off after the first monk. He stormed off after the second monk. And he stormed off after Ananda found the, kind of did a middle-length one. So Ananda went to the Buddha and said, what's up with this dude? What should we have done? <laughs> it's always, these teachings come <laughs> this way. Ananda goes to the Buddha, what's up, Tathagata? And um, the Buddha said, there's always blame in the world. If you say too much, some people will blame you. If you say a little bit, some people will blame you. And if you say nothing at all, some people will blame you. So, you know, you can't win with some people, <laughs> basically. So um, Gill, in this article I read, he lists these seven qualities or mental, uh, yeah, mental qualities, you could say, or um, anyway, seven factors, qualities that uh, support the development of equanimity. And I thought it was an interesting list, so I wanted to share these with you. So the first of these is, has to do with... Um, virtue or integrity, relating a lot around our ethical conduct and how we live in the world. And when we live from a place of real integrity, when we really uh, pay attention to our conduct, how we're living, then there's a kind of confidence that comes from this. We have a feeling of, of inner strength born of our sila, of our uh, attention to living as ethically as we can. And um, there's a kind of equanimity that comes from this, that's born of this quality of blamelessness. We have the, the, what's called the bliss of blamelessness, but also a strength of heart. And it's said that um, there's a place in the text where it says one in whom uh, ethical conduct or virtue or integrity is strong, they can go into any assembly, any group of people with this uh, and feel blameless. And that's a real power and really adds to the inner strength that fosters equanimity. So we might go into any group where there's all kinds of stuff going on, but we can stay balanced there. Uh, a well-developed mind, the second one. And uh, it's, it's talked about as we can build um, strength and balance, stability uh, in the body by um, exercising, working in a gymnasium, for example. We can develop uh, balance, strength, stability of mind through our practice. And especially practices that incline and cultivate calm, concentration, mindfulness. All of these um, strengthen this, uh, develop the mind. And when the mind is calm, 
is more at ease, more balanced, less pulled all over, then that um, strengthens this balance of mind. We're less likely to be blown about by the winds of change. Third quality he mentioned was a sense of well-being, pointing to uh, that that our well-being we can, we can we don't have to leave it entirely up to just chance. We can actually do things that uh, foster this sense of well-being, and just simple things in in just daily life, you know, taking some time to nurture things that. Um, and cultivate things that support us, that bring us a sense of well-being and ease. You know, taking uh, some quiet times or times to enjoy uh, simple things like a beautiful sunset or something like that, that help to um, strengthen the sense of well-being. The fourth one is understanding or wisdom. And one way we can see this wisdom or understanding in terms of uh, strengthening equanimity is um, that it allows us to separate people's actions from who they are, from the people, from the person, someone's actions from, uh, from who they are. So we may agree or disagree with what someone does, but we can still have a balanced relationship with them and we... Um, we make a separation there. We see that, uh, and in our own mind and heart, our own um, thoughts, impulses, we see that there are conditions that lead to actions. Actions that are born of, of wisdom, care, kindness, and love, then those result in other things. Those are the conditions there, then certain kinds of actions follow. If, if confusion and suffering are present, then other impulses, thoughts, actions arise from those conditions. So we see uh, in others, in our own mind and heart, that, these, uh, that there's this conditioned quality there, and we don't throw ourselves or another out of our heart because of, of uh, it gives the possibility to still hold them, even when actions are, are born of confusion and suffering and uh, are, are not skillful, not wholesome. So we don't take it also personally we can find perhaps more balance, more ease than when these things arise. And another way in thinking of wisdom understanding to cultivate equanimity is, is bringing mindfulness to times when equanimity is not present. In the same way that we learn about patience by seeing when impatience is there and exploring impatience, we learn about equanimity by exploring reactivity and seeing what are the conditions that lead to that being, being present and what are the um, what qualities um, foster balance of mind. So we learn about it this way. The fifth uh, um, mental quality in this list is understanding, reflecting on the fact that we and all beings are responsible, have a responsibility for our own actions. We take personal responsibility and we know that others are responsible. And this helps us to find equanimity in the face of, of uh, at least some kinds of suffering that we and others encounter. And we wish, we wish the best for others. And at the same time, it allows us to not take on um, a kind of uh, 
excessive sense of responsibility for their happiness or well-being. We wish others well, and we know they have to make their own choices, live their own life. The, deep, the sixth one is insight, this deep seeing into the nature of things, the kind of insight that we talk about in insight meditation, insight into anicca, dukkha, anatta, these three characteristics. And I'll speak about specifically about seeing into uh, impermanence. One of the main ways that insight arises in our practice is this deep seeing into the truth of change of things. And in its deepest form, we see that things arise and pass so quickly that there's nothing that we can possibly hold on to because it's arising and passing, changing so quickly. And seeing this inclines the mind toward letting go, towards not trying to hold on just naturally. And this letting go is an essential aspect of, of uh, equanimity of not falling into struggle with things. And the greater we are able to let go in this way, to not hold on to that which is, cannot be clung to because it's changing, the stronger our equanimity comes in the face of the changing nature of things. This is a quotation from uh, Sharon Salzberg that I, I really like that speaks to this. To have the radiant, calm, and unswayed balance of mind that we call equanimity is to be like the earth. All kinds of things are cast upon the earth, beautiful and ugly things, frightful and lovable things, common and extraordinary things. The earth receives it all and quietly sustains its own integrity. It is a state of peace to be able to accept things as they are. This is to be at home in our own lives. We see that this universe is much too big to hold on to, but it is the perfect size for letting go. Our hearts hearts and minds can become that big, and we actually can let go. This is the gift of equanimity. I love that line, the world, the universe, it's much too big to hold on to, but it's the exact right size, it's the perfect size to let go. And then the seventh... um, quality that she mentioned, uh, that Gail mentioned in this list was freedom. Freedom that comes through this uh, letting go of or abandoning reactive tendencies. And we can get a taste for this, and I think it's really important to look in our own lives at the ways um, that we can see that things have fallen away, that reactivity has fallen away. For example, things that may really have troubled us at an earlier time in our life, when we were younger, say, or maybe in our teen years, or at anywhere along the spectrum of our life, we see that things that we just struggled with, issues that were so, um, such a big deal, aren't aren't such a big deal, or maybe they don't arise at all. You know, we can look, and and we can overlook this sometimes, because we look and it's still, we're still there in all our quirky weirdness and whatever we see in our inner world. And yet we may, at least in my case, there's a lot of quirky weirdness there. Um, You you have no idea. (laughs) But you know, if any of us broadcast our, our mind over the PA, we would see, you know, rampant weirdness. It's guaranteed. 
and all variations. So that's in there. <laughs> but at the same time, we look and see that there is transformation and that things, sometimes things that were such big issues, they're not even arising. I see that in my things that were just like, drove my life and they're not, they're not there anymore. And we may not have seen when they fell away. We may notice it on reflection. And so in our practice, what we're doing so much is expanding the range of um, the experiences in our life where we find freedom, where there's freedom. And, and these qualities of equanimity, the quality of uh, the two forms, one that comes from uh, this observing ability to observe things and this inner balance that comes uh, from standing in the middle of things. Mindfulness is what brings these together. They come together in this quality of mindfulness. And so mindfulness, as always, is the key to the whole deal. Everything we talk about, mindfulness is the key that opens the door. And we see um, as that strengthens, there's more of that operating. We're living a more conscious life. Equanimity begins to strengthen as a natural result. It's kind of inner strength. So I want to touch back on uh, this this idea of befriending our own mind and heart from that verse uh, in the that I began this little mini talk with. Not so mini, sorry. Um, this idea that our mind might become our best friend, our friend. This is uh, from one of my teachers, Sayadaw Jyotika. How can you make your mind your real friend? By practicing mindfulness, by really watching your mind, really paying attention throughout the day. You will see the truth about your mind and when you see the truth, gradually it will become purer and it will become your friend. And so when we really see the truth about the real truth about our own mind and heart, then it does become our friend, it becomes our best friend. So we'll do a bit of a a practice now with this cultivating this quality of equanimity. And as it's classically taught, we um, said to be easiest to begin with uh, someone who is uh, is a kind of a neutral feeling, neutral relationship. And maybe you've been working, had a neutral being in your uh, practice with the other Brahma Viharas. And we can start there again. And I just want to say now, I'll be guiding uh, some of this, but um, you can use this time uh, to cultivate any of the Brahma Viharas. Uh, I'll try to have some silence, mostly silence, I think, for the rest of the sitting, but I'll, I'll get us at least going. And I'll offer a few uh, phrases. Classically, one uses some reflection on the truth of the law of karma, of karma, that all beings are the owners of their actions. Their happiness and freedom depend on their actions, not upon the wishes we have for them. 
So though we may wish others well, we wish them every possible happiness and joy and freedom from suffering. We know that uh, in, in great part that depends on their actions, the choices they make. But I have some other simpler phrases I'll use. So it occurred to me as I was uh, thinking about this that it may be that the category of all beings, because that has it's such a broad um, way of broad frame for uh, for this practice for any of the Brahma Viharas, that that might also incline and be an easy place to uh, begin with practicing equanimity. It helps us to take this big picture view. All beings are the owners of their actions. So you might consider uh, that or maybe a neutral being. If there's someone in your life or possibly someone here at the retreat that you still feel neutral about, maybe, maybe there is someone here, someone in your life. And as we begin, just take a moment, uh, take a moment to just feel your mind, heart, body right now, just as it is. Whatever qualities are there, seeing if you can let the body relax, settle into an easy posture, as easy as you can find. not trying to fix it, letting it relax. Letting the eyes, the forehead, tongue and jaw relax. Neck long, the back, natural curves in the spine, upright but not, not unnaturally stiff. Chest and heart open, belly soft hips relaxed, buttocks not clenched in the pelvis or legs. Just sitting simply, sitting on the earth. Earth sitting on earth. Check the quality of the mind, heart. Seeing if you can incline towards relaxing the mind. Just letting it be just as it is. Don't struggle with your mind. Maybe awake or sleepy, restless, calm, happy, grumpy. Just let it be. See if you can find some quality of friendliness in relation to your mind and heart. It's the only one we've got, we should make friends. And as weird as it is, we wouldn't probably want to change it for someone on some unknown other mind. Don't want to exchange it for 
one that might be worse. <laughs> this, this one's weird, but at least I know it. <laughs> I don't want to get used to some other weirdness. <laughs> at least I'm familiar with this one. Just sit simply, just be a sentient being, just be alive right now, just as you are. Nothing to fix or get or get rid of. No one you have to be. Feel into your some qualities of inner strength, of integrity. And the contents of the mind and heart are not the measure of that. It's the strength that has supported you to stay here for this long retreat, to weather all the changes. No matter how you feel about your practice, there's, there is that core of strength that you have, that we all have, touching that place of integrity and strength, of balance. And if you wish now, letting some image or felt sense of a real being in your life, someone here at the retreat, someone in your life outside of the retreat, or even a non-human being, where the feeling is not, it's not uh, really any particular feeling, don't know much about this person or being, There's the connection that it's another living being. We don't have a strong feeling of liking or disliking or any real connection. But just as we have all all of our joys and sorrows, it's true for this person. Happy days, sad days good times, bad times, struggles and successes and all the rest that we get. And just as we have to make our own choices, that's true for this person. Reflecting that their happiness and sadness, we wish them, may you be happy and safe and have joys, be free of suffering, but I cannot live your life, I can't make your choices for you. You will inherit the fruits of your actions and that's your responsibility. Checking in with the heart once in a while. How do we? How does that feel? 
when we reflect in this way, beings are the owners of their actions. I care for you, but I can't make your life choices for you. I wish you ease and happiness, but I cannot keep you from suffering. So in your own way, either with this uh, phrases and connection with another being or through just connecting with your own inner integrity, inner strength, inner balance, and a more wordless way, touching, inclining, cultivating this quality of, of balance. It sees that we and all beings have to live our own life. We have to make our own choices.
if you lose the thread of what you're doing, the mind drifts, drifts away, becomes vague. Just take a moment and reconnect with just feeling the body sitting. Check back in to the quality of mind. Relax the body, relax the mind. And again, touch that core of integrity and inner strength. It's there for all of us. Times may be hidden. And with this connection to our integrity, inner strength and goodness, we can begin again. And if you wish to shift perhaps to a benefactor or dear friend, perhaps yourself, or if someone just shows up, reflecting that all beings, this being who is dear to us, they have their own life to live. We wish them well. May you be happy. May you be safe and have great ease. I wish you these things, but I can't live your life for you can't make your choices for you. Working with yourself, you may wish you find the strength and courage to accept life's changes, to flow with those changes. May I live in balance and not be buffeted by the winds of change. May I find the strength and courage to really accept things just as they are. Working with our friend or benefactor, I care for you. I wish you every happiness, but I can't make your choices for you. Your happiness, your freedom, your ease depend upon the choices you make, not so much upon my wishes for you. 
perhaps a being might come to mind where the relationship is difficult, where there's been struggle in the relationship. We may find feeling, well, you'll get what you deserve. Not such a good equanimity phrase. You're going to get what's coming to you. If that's our phrase, we might back up. (laughs) Maybe not really the best equanimity phrase. (laughs) You're going to get yours. No. (laughs) But realizing that all beings, even these beings where the relationship is difficult, we can separate actions from a being who may have acted out of confusion and suffering. We know what it is to act from confusion and suffering because we've done that. So we can separate the actions from a being who may have been consumed with suffering, with confusion that very strong, maybe beyond what we've experienced. And it led to actions that caused harm. We may be able to bring some care, compassion, connection to that suffering being, wishing them well and reflecting that they have to make their own choices. They have their own life to live. wish them to be free of suffering, but we can't. Our wishes are not the thing that will determine that. Their choices, their actions are their own to make.
for the last few minutes of this period of practice. Just drop all, drop all doing, all practices, all cultivating, all images, phrases and words. Let's let it drift away. Don't push it away. May still arise, but don't do anything about it. Let go of all doing. Settle into this quality of simple presence. Just be a living being right now, just as you are. Feel the body, let it just be the way it is. The heart be just as it is, the mind, rest it. Don't struggle with it, try to make it behave. Don't struggle with anything in your experience right now. Just be very simple, quiet and simple.
May all beings be happy and may they have all the causes for happiness. May all beings be free of suffering and free of the causes of suffering. May all beings have the greatest joy, every possible blessing, and may they have the causes for joy. May all beings abide in equanimity, free of reactivity, of ill will and grasping, clinging. May all beings be free.